sometimes we think we have to be in a traditional route or we think that we have to have it all together before we can accomplish what our calling is intended to be. But that's just, again, not what we see in Scripture. The disciples had no training. They were fishermen, and God called them, and it was their willingness to listen to God and follow God that qualified them. It wasn't something they had to do first before God would accept them. And I think that's a really important point that we need to recognize. Welcome to the Hustle Differently podcast. I'm Adriana, and each episode, I chat with a millennial professional about defining moments in their careers that have shaped their faith and understanding of their identity. Our journey is ever evolving. I'm always questioning and reevaluating my work through the lessons I've learned and my openness to lean into the discomfort of not fully knowing or understanding where it will all lead and whether the impact I'm having is making a difference. After my conversation with Melissa Schiffbauer, I continue to reflect on how I'm using my gifts and how it glorifies God. Melissa is a faith-based content creator You may know her as Unmistakably Melissa on Instagram. Melissa joins us on this episode to chat about what influenced her to quit her job to create faith-based content full-time during the pandemic, the common beliefs we have about being qualified to fulfill our calling, and the lessons she's learned through her life and the community of people around her. All right, let's jump into the conversation. I definitely want to hear more about your experience during the pandemic, deciding to create faith-based content full-time. But to start off, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about your journey before then. Yeah. So background on me, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. My dad was a pastor. So I've certainly always been in the Christian church space, you know, pastor's kid, you're at church all the time. And so God was certainly always a familiar topic, but I I will say that I always knew the right answers in my head, but I don't think I always knew them in my heart. And so to make a really long story short, in college, I ended up for a couple of years really being more of an agnostic than anything else. I thought there was maybe a higher power out there, but I didn't feel like you could truly know what he was about. When I left college is when I really started exploring different religions and things. And this was long before I was doing social media. This was just simply my own life story. I just was so curious about what was out there. And so I researched. And in my research and in my testing out different religions, I ended up back at the Bible. So I would say at that point in my life, I was more of like a non-denominational believer. I was very open-minded and I didn't like labels. And so coming up to the pandemic, I was toying with the idea of returning to the Seventh-day Adventist Church simply because I did something kind of out of the box. I took their fundamental belief statements and I tried to disprove them. (laughs) And in the process of that, I figured out, you know, these are actually pretty legitimate. (laughs) And so when I saw that their teachings were biblical... I was toying with the idea of returning, but I did have, you know, we all have baggage from our childhood. We all have things that hold us back. There were reasons that I had become agnostic at one point. And so I think I was kind of on the fence. And that's when the ministry stuff started up. And I really praise God for that because when I posted the reel about the discussion surrounding hell, 
I did get a lot of backlash. And I think sometimes we are scared of that. And I think we're almost taught to view ourselves as a martyr, as if like, you know, anytime somebody says something against us, we should just wallow in it and be so, you know, upset. And that was not my experience. I actually praise God for that pushback because it's the pushback that challenges you to go deeper into what you believe. You know, they say that when you have to teach something or defend something, you learn it much better than simply being a student. And so it really wasn't until I was getting DMs that I didn't know how to answer (laughs) that I was going deeper on some of these topics. So I would say I had a superficial level of knowledge prior to the social media starting up, but so much of it really has been a learn as you go. I'll get a question that I don't know how to answer and I'll say, hey, this is a great question. Let me go look this up for you. And I think that's another thing we need to normalize, especially in faith in the faith community, is saying, I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know, or I need to study that more. I think we're afraid to say that sometimes because we think it'll make God look bad. But me saying I don't know doesn't mean God doesn't know. It simply means I need to put in more time to determine what God knows. (laughs) And so, yeah, I would love to see us normalize that a little bit more. So, yeah, that was my journey pretty much. It's been a learn as I go. And, you know, full transparency, there are moments where I have to step back and take a couple days away to, you know, get myself back on track. It's very easy to get off track or you become so busy that you don't take the time to read your own devotionals or have your own prayer time. And in those moments, you'll notice, at least I've personally noticed that my content is not as high quality. My responses are not as Christ-like and it's a sign I need to like take a moment and really refresh. We had an opportunity to chat before this conversation, and you were telling me a little bit about your journey. And just to kind of give the listeners a little quick background is that, you know, you got your degree in education, you know, after being advised that it was more marketable than a degree in theology, which makes sense. That's why I majored in journalism. It was more marketable, you know, (laughs) more opportunities. And you spent some time as a teacher and you really liked it, but didn't really like the bureaucracy and the politics of, you know, the school system and things like that. And then that influenced you to kind of transition into working for a nonprofit with a mission to help refugee communities. And then enters the pandemic, right? Which sound like it was a defining moment for you. You moved to Florida and you really realized that everyone was spending time on their phones and on social media. And this was an opportunity for you to share your Bible thoughts. And then you posted your first reel and got 100,000 views in two days, which is very impressive. And, you know, I love defining moments. I love hearing about other people's defining moments and those moments that were like shifts or realizations. And now you're a social media creator, um, really focused on making disciples and want to hear more about your journey. And my first question is, you know, what draws you to this work and the work that you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you mentioned, I started this during the pandemic and it really was 
I think for defining moments, there was one conversation specifically that really was a turning point, and that was between my husband Braxton and I, where I was just telling him after volunteering with a refugee nonprofit that I just didn't know career-wise what I was going to do or where I was headed. And he asked me, well, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, well, I've always wanted to do ministry. And he was like, well, let's figure out how you could do that now. And this was a time when, like you mentioned, everyone is home, nobody's going out, no churches are meeting, there's no events. And the only option you really had to connect with people at this point was the online space. And that's when I realized that, you know, there are defining moments in history when technology really picks up. And this is one of them. We now have the internet. We now have social media growing so rapidly. And while that can be a curse, that can also be a blessing because of your reach and your ability to technically for free, just really navigate and use that algorithm to your advantage and spread, you know, whatever information you want people to hear online. And I said, well, I'm going to share the gospel. <laughs> you know, I'm going to use that to my advantage for ministry work. And that's how I got going in this space. That's awesome. Yeah, I think the ability to really look at your surroundings and what people are doing and really being intentional about finding opportunities to use your gifts in a new way. And even in a way that challenges you as well, where you're growing and still learning and still building off of the experiences and the gifts that you have is always, I think, an awesome opportunity. And I think um, sometimes it takes people longer to figure that out. And some people, it takes a conversation and really thinking about it and just going for it, you know? So I want to hear a little bit from you, like what was that shift like from having colleagues and now working on your own and going kind of like full throttle on this sort of like epiphany, I guess, or this opportunity that you found? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. It's been challenging for me because I am definitely an extrovert. And so I jokingly tell my friends I feel kind of like an island sometimes because in the virtual space, it's so unique. It looks like you have, you know, these thousands of people that you're interacting with. And on a superficial level, you absolutely are. And certainly there are a few followers that you really genuinely get to know. But for the most part, you know, it's me in my house, by myself, on my laptop, and that has been a shift. And I think it's really taught me that I have to be intentional about finding genuine, authentic relationships. Again, as much as I love social media and how effective it is at reaching a lot of people, it can sometimes give you a false sense of community. And so it's really important to still find your tribe, still find, you know, personal family and friends that are local to you, that really know the real you even away from the screen. And so that's something I've had to learn just to really make an effort to not expect that to just come to me, but rather, you know, uh, go out and look for that a little bit more. And so like you mentioned before we started the call, I just got back from a young adult retreat camp out. And that was an amazing opportunity that I had to go after, in a sense, to meet people off of the internet. And there are some people that I had met online, but now I was seeing them in person, and that really made those relationships a bit deeper. So I think it's just knowing 
knowing what your day looks like and knowing how to intentionally bring in some of those things that might not naturally occur. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I do want to, you mentioned the young adult retreat that you attended and I was able to this past weekend look at their IG and I saw that you actually spoke and it looked like you spoke about the misunderstanding of a calling and um, your calling is the passion you have from God for a specific impact. It might not be your actual career. And I would love to hear more about kind of key takeaways from that presentation, like where that came from. Yeah, I did talk about that. I'm so glad you were able to hear just that little snippet. I had several people wanting to watch the whole thing, so I'm excited to share a little bit more. At the retreat, we're talking about being rooted in Christ, and we were talking about your identity. And so often we associate our identity with our career. And I think, you know, society really puts a lot of pressure on who you are as either rooted in your career or sometimes your relationship. And I wanted to make the point to that audience who was also young adults like you and I, that it says in scripture that we are made in the image of God. And it says before we were even born that God knitted us together. So we have already received our calling. You're born with your calling. You already have it. I think sometimes we grow up thinking that our calling is something we have to find or go to, or it's always something in the distance. And that is really not the image I see in scripture. We already have our calling. Now, that doesn't mean we immediately recognize what it is, but God gave us talents and natural inclinations towards certain things. And I believe we should pay attention to those things. There's a famous verse everybody pretty much hears all the time, which is Jeremiah 29, 11, And it talks about how God knows he has plans for you and they're, you know, plans to make you successful. And I think sometimes we use that verse to, again, say like, oh, I have to go find out what the plan is. But you already have the plan and you already have access to God who knows the plan. So it's really more a matter of asking God, how do I put the plan into action? And also, like you mentioned at the beginning, recognizing that your career doesn't have to be the equivalent of your calling. Certainly, there are a lot of people who their career is their calling. I would identify myself as that. I would say that my career and my calling have aligned. But there are also people who use their career to fund their calling or to you know, help support their family and their family's calling. So I just think it's useful to recognize that you have your calling already and it doesn't have to look like what everybody else claims a calling is. Yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11, that's, that's one of my favorite verses. It was a verse that was definitely like rooted in like helping me be able to like have the confidence to even launch the podcast. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And that's so true. I think that our callings, I know for instance, like season one, I had a guest, Upscale Dave, who's an entrepreneur and he had a full-time job, but his full-time job was there to fund his entrepreneurial ideas. You know, he's a fashion creative and he knew that was his calling. He knew that that's where his gifts were aligned, but he needed a full-time job in order to fund the ideas that he had. And for some people, that's that's the case, you know? And I think, like you said, prayer, being intentional. And sometimes it is just, especially when you're young, if you're in college, or if you do have a full-time job, there's opportunities for you to kind of like try different things and try out your gifts outside of that. If you're kind of questioning what 
is your calling? What are my gifts? I think sometimes opportunity of just doing something, you know, doing something in the community, at church, or even it's a small idea that you have, kind of like trying it out and testing out and seeing what comes naturally to me. What do I need to learn more about? I think that's sometimes like a practical way to sort of do that as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's a couple things in scripture I love to mention to people when I'm having this conversation. And one of them is in the Old Testament, when we see the Israelites being instructed to build the tabernacle, God actually specifically asks for people that are kind of out of the traditional realm. Like, you know, the traditional realm is like teachers, pastors, medical workers. And in the beginning of scripture, God actually asks for masonaries and engineers and artists. And so it just reminds me that, you know, even electricians and even plumbers can be using their talents and abilities for God. And the other thing I also want to mention briefly is in the New Testament, when Jesus is calling his disciples in, I believe it's Matthew chapter four, he talks about how he says, come follow me and the disciples immediately follow him. There's no like pass this test or get this degree first or answer these 25 questions. It's an immediate response to say, hey, I'm going to follow you. And so I just want to say like sometimes we think we have to be in a traditional route or we think that we have to have it all together before we can accomplish what our calling is intended to be. But that's just, again, not what we see in scripture. The disciples had no training. They were fishermen and God called them and it was their willingness to listen to God and follow God that qualified them. It wasn't something they had to do first before God would accept them. And I think that's a really important point that we need to recognize. Yeah, that's so true. I think that you know the disciples really leaned into it and it was a journey for them as well. They leaned into the teachings of Christ. They examined his character, right? And then as the Holy Spirit was convicting them or teaching them or telling them things about their own self in the ways that God is wanting to refine their character. It's like leaning into that as well as they're kind of like doing and praying and learning from Christ. But yeah, like you said, it it definitely is a journey. And I always am encouraged by like John, who he and his brother were called like brothers of thunder, right? And they were very just like aggressive in your face and like seeking for honor, right? But then John was the beloved disciple. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that like gives me so much encouragement that like today I may not be, quote unquote, perfect in the sense of what society says, or I may not have all that society says that I should have. But in a sense, God has, Christ has already sort of like been an example for me of what a perfect human is. And he has already started set the path for me. And it's more of me sort of leaning into that. So yeah, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. Yeah. Amen. Well, I totally agree that Christ has already accomplished, you know, what we hoped to accomplish. We couldn't do it and Christ did it for us. And I think there's another thing in relation to calling. I think there's a fear sometimes that we will get in God's way and we will not be able to recognize either what our calling is or what our next step should be. And I have a friend who always tells me, because I struggle with that sometimes, he always tells me, you know, that's 
false pride, Melissa, like to think that God who is love, who loves you, who created you with, you know, certain gifts, to think that God is not capable of overcoming your own insecurity and getting his message to you actually shows a lack of trust in God. And I I never thought of it that way, but it also in a sense is comforting to know that I'm not God. And so if God has a message for me and if I'm open to receiving it, he's going to get that message to me. Yeah. Even if I'm, you know, fearful that I'm going to miss it, God knows how to get people's attention. I think we see that in the story of Saul turned Paul. You know, Saul was out there doing what he thought was right and God literally struck him in his path mid-work and was like, "Nope, this is not this is not the right thing." And he got Paul on the right journey and I think it's important for us to know that God can do the same for us. If we are open to it, he will show us the way. Yeah, yeah. So in your own journey, right, you talked about having a fear of that, like, especially now in this new sort of space that you're in, in social media. And social media is such like a, oh, there's such like a love and hate relationship I have with social media. <laughs> Just because of like the ways it shapes our thinking and the way we approach the world. But I think there's an opportunity to connect with people and to really learn but then it could also be very distracting. So like, how do you sort of like navigate that, especially with the approach of like teaching and preaching the gospel and making disciples and teaching people how to do Bible study or learning different principles within the Bible and things like that? Like, how do you even navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's helpful to mention, you know, what exactly I'm doing in the online space. So for me, I write posts, I film videos, and I also spend a lot of time interacting with messages and emails and comments, asking questions about scripture. And then I also direct those people to resources. And that's a lot of work. It is like people always ask me, like, you know, what are you filling your time with? And I think aside from doing those things up front, it also requires a lot of research behind the scenes. Whenever you are, you know, presenting something, whether it's online or in person, it's so important that you're credible and that you share things that are true. And in order to be able to do that, you have to put in that work, especially for me. I don't have a degree in theology, and so I have to make up for that by reading and having mentors. And I think having a mentor is a really important component, finding people who can keep you accountable. Social media, like you mentioned, can be kind of a double-edged sword. It can be really effective, but it can also be really unhealthy. And so having mentors to make sure your content is still on point, having an accountability partner to make sure you're not spending too much time in the social media space, especially, and, you know, still keeping yourself balanced and making sure you have away from the screen time is so important. And I'll also just mention, because it comes with the space, you know, social media, it's really easy to think this is going to be like my ticket to fame, or this is going to, you know, blow me up and make me a millionaire. And I think the trick with social media is to actually set that aside It's amazing. You know, it's a blessing for those who are able to share their passion online and have it go viral. But at the end of the day, especially when you're doing ministry work, that's really not the goal. You know, the goal is to share the gospel and share truth and create content that God would be proud of. And so I think for me, you know, like you mentioned in the beginning of our talk, 
I went viral kind of overnight with that one reel. And that was like shocking to my system. And I really had to pause and say, okay, like as exciting as this is, you know, what am I doing this for? And so just daily, whatever the work is that you're doing, daily surrendering to God and saying, God, this is not about me. This is not about getting rich or being famous. This is about glorifying you is so, so crucial and so vital. And I just cannot emphasize prayer enough not only your personal prayer, but also just asking people around you to pray for you. Because I always tell people there's two ways that the devil trips us up in our spiritual life. And it's either by having us believe in something false, or it's by allowing our ego to become so inflated that it takes control. And so if you're really solid in Bible truth, often you'll struggle with ego. Or if you're really humble, often you might struggle with having the right truth. And so it's just important to be aware of that and to surrender that daily to God and let God be truly the center of your life. Yeah, that's so good. Honestly, that's so, I think it resonates with people in a lot of different careers. For you, it's the numbers and the engagement, right? That the impact of your work. But I think for other people who may be in another field, it's it's the promotion or the accolades that you get at your current job, um, that may be the equivalent of that, that may boost up your ego and all of those things that you kind of talked about. And I think that definitely resonates with me. I think for you, you talked about sort of having a mentor and accountability. How did you sort of find the right mentor for you um, and keeping yourself accountable? Sure. So for me, being married, I'm really blessed. I have a really amazing husband. And so Braxton has definitely been my accountability partner. He was the one who, you know, really motivated me to start doing what I'm doing in the first place. And so thankfully, we actually, actually, I guess it could go either way. It's usually a thankfully uh, point. (laughs) It's usually a blessing, but we both work remote. So we both work in the same space. So like once in a while, that could be a lot, but usually (laughs) that's awesome. And so he really does see like what my day-to-day interactions are. And he knows when to mention like, hey, let's go for a walk, you know, (laughs) let's turn the screen off. And that's super helpful. I think aside from that, finding mentors, I prayed uh, about a couple months into this journey. I realized that was way over my head. And so I just started praying and asking God to help me find like-minded people because Even in the Christian world, there are so many different opinions and so many different views. And I was really blessed that God has led me to a couple other ministries and a couple other pastors who we really share a lot of the core values that are important to me. And I really can't take credit for that. I mean, certainly I went around and did research and like, you know, clicked on different websites and such. But overall, I really think it was prayer that led me to do those things. I have one friend who was in seminary when I met him and he just started sending me book recommendations and like, you know, just so many people come together. And again, it really comes down to like trusting God and realizing that when God has a calling for you, he's going to send you the right people and send you the right resources. And your job is to properly respond to that. So I think it's so useful anytime somebody reaches out to you to really pray and ask God, okay, like, what is this? You know, where do you want this relationship to go? How can this benefit me? And he'll, he'll get you where you need to go. It, it's amazing. Honestly, my life is really a testimony of that, how he's just made it come together. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And can you talk a little bit about research and making sure they're credible? Um, You talked a little bit about that and the work that it takes, especially for someone who may be listening and thinking that, you know, social media may be where my calling is as, as far as like ministry, thinking about sharing the gospel, using my gifts. So for you, if you want to talk about that process. Yeah. With me, I went viral off of a reel that was talking about the biblical truth on hell. And that's a very controversial topic. And so for me to get started on something so controversial was a challenge and not something that necessarily everyone is called to, but it works. And so for for me, I've continued to touch on some of those major misconceptions that we see in the world about the character of God, about what happens to the lost, about, you know, is God giving us free will or not? There's a lot of hot topics like that. And I realized as I was Googling and researching what Christians believe that there are so many false things being circulated. And so I think to answer your question more properly, you first need to really know what your goal is. You need to sit down and say, okay, now that I have a platform or I'm going to create a platform, what do I want to accomplish? And I think alongside with that is what do I personally believe? It would be really challenging for me to write posts and come on things like this and talk if I didn't already establish what I believe. And so, so many of us go after social media to find our identity, I think, and really I would hope we would find our identity in Christ first and then go to social media to share that with others. I think that's really important. And yeah, so that's how it went for me. I had to first determine what I believed. I think another thing is also knowing your audience, you know, recognizing, again, I'll speak to the ministry space because that's what I do. I had to research other religions. I had to learn about the perspective of an atheist or an agnostic or a Muslim because those are the people that show up on my page. And so just really being willing to get out of your comfort zone, to challenge your bubble, to challenge what the norms are in your life is really helpful. And you know, I can't say exactly what that will look like for each of us. For me, that's been reading a lot of books and having a lot of conversations. But again, that's where prayer comes in, You know, asking God, how do I navigate this? And it's going to look different for each of us, but Yeah, I would say knowing who you are first and then also considering other perspectives. Season two of the podcast is about champion. And I've been asking all of the guests, what does it mean for Jesus to be your champion? And I would love to read your response if you don't mind and hear more about your response and why you chose that answer, why that resonates with you. You said, allowing Jesus to be my champion means taking the pressure off of me. I do not have to burden myself with unrealistic expectations or standards because Jesus has already lived a perfect life on my behalf. Yeah, I think for me, that response has come from years of pain and suffering. I grew up, like I mentioned earlier, as a pastor's kid, and I had a great family, and I don't think they ever intentionally put a lot of pressure on me. But nonetheless, I had a lot of pressure on me. You know, when you're in that role, you're expected to be the perfect little goody-goody child. And people joke that pastor's kids are either saints or they're super rebellious. 
And I fell on the saint side until at the very end of my college years, I kind of jumped the the line and went the other way. And I think I just really struggled with finding my identity. I knew what my parents believed. I knew what my church claimed was the right answer for everything. But I didn't know what I personally believed or I didn't know why. And so I had to figure that out. And it wasn't until I surrendered to Christ, like for real, for real, and was like, okay, I don't have to accomplish anything. I don't have to be a legalist. I don't have to earn my salvation. I'm not earning God's love. God loved me from the beginning. That was when I finally was able to find joy. I think so much of Christianity, we talk so much about finding joy and peace and happiness, and yet we live like we're still slaves to the world. We're still so unhappy and burdened. And I think it's because subconsciously we often think we have to earn. You know, we're still trying to earn something, and you don't need to earn anything. God has already gifted you everything that you need, and your only role in the whole thing is to accept it. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about how you know, even in my own experience as a high schooler and even in college, how I compartmentalized my life. You know, I had church and school and hobbies and, you know, school later turn on, turned into professional life. And in the last two to three years, I've really been thinking about what it means to integrate this intersection between faith in my spiritual life as well as my professional life and it's been an it's been an underlying influence in why I'm pursuing this podcast and hearing other millennials experiences about how the defining moments in their careers have shifted their understanding of their faith and their perspective and their worldview and I do believe that, you know, God doesn't want us to live our lives in these compartmentalized silos. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I think one of the biggest challenges for me was prior to going so public with what I believe, I compartmentalized my life. So I had a box for church and I had a box for, I really like figure skating. That's a hobby I have. And so I had a box for figure skating and I had a box for family and all these different things. And when you become public or when your job becomes, you know, ministry, all of a sudden you're forced to be a lot more open. And so all of a sudden now my figure skating friends all know that I'm Christian and they all know. And, you know, it's just it's conversations that I hadn't had, to be frank. And like I was just flying back from that young adult retreat yesterday and people sit next to you on the airplane and they ask you, you know, what do you do? And it still makes me nervous, I'll be honest. I still get a little nervous when I say, oh, I create, you know, faith-based content online just because, like I've mentioned, like you're raised to kind of assume that people are going to attack you or judge you. But, you know, at the same time, sometimes when we become vulnerable and share our faith, you'd be amazed how many times people actually say, oh, you know what? I have a question about the Bible, or I've been thinking about God. What do you think of this? So I think sometimes it's treated as taboo to bring God up. But when you mention you work in ministry, all of a sudden it actually opens a door and it works out better than we expect sometimes. Sometimes people have questions and they're just scared or they don't have somebody to ask. So yeah, I'm working on that. I'm working on not being so 
uncomfortable with being so open about my faith. And like you mentioned online, you know, you can hide behind a screen, but when you start to get really big numbers, people start to, you know, even in my small circle of influence, I've had several people come up to me and recognize me who I didn't know. So just to give background, I have 9,000 followers, but my engagement by the grace of God is half a million views a month. So I have half a million people looking at my page and that's scary, you know, that that holds you to a new level of accountability. But I also think it's really an amazing opportunity, not for myself, but for Jesus. You know, I am a messenger, I am a vessel, and it's causing me to be authentic in all my boxes. Now I don't have all these different boxes. I have one box that's my life. And I everybody in there knows I love Jesus and I'm learning to be more comfortable with that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can access the show notes in the description and the transcripts on hustledifferently.com. To make sure you don't miss the next episode, click the subscribe button. Also, I need your help growing this podcast. The two simplest ways you can help are sharing this episode with someone you think would resonate with topics about career and faith and leaving a review in the Apple Podcast app. If you do one or both, it would really help me expand my vision for the podcast and help new listeners find podcasts. Thank you for your support.